This is Sarah Weymouth, and welcome to my podcast, where we talk about everything for you to live your best life. And we have a little fun too, from talking about business, marriage, parenthood, money, health, home decor, friendship, beauty, and pop culture. I'm a mother to three, a wife, a successful business owner, and I want to live my highest, best self. Follow along as we learn together, grow, teach, because you only get to live one life. Oh, and I promise to dig deeper and to ask the tough questions. This is The Line Podcast. Okay, of course, we needed to do a pop culture. First and foremost, I ordered the Britney Spears book, The Woman in Me. Was so excited to read it. It sat there staring at me for a week. And I just don't have the time to sit and read. That's just the reality of the chapter I'm in right now in life. And so I backtracked and I was like, okay, I'm going to do audio. So I did the audio and with the audio, I listened to the whole thing in like a day and a half. It was, I think it was like five and a half hours. But part of the reason why I love podcasts so much is because I can do it when I'm driving. I can do it when I'm putting on makeup. I can do it when I'm food prepping. I, you know, you can just throw it on and like fold laundry. So this, you know, is my favorite way of multitasking where I'm learning something or I'm listening to a book on audio or I'm just enjoying listening to something and I'm getting things done. So I ended up listening to it, which by the way, it was great. Um, I think I've heard that the, you know, reading the book, it's an easy read as well. I just literally don't have the time to sit and read right now. I think if I was to do that, I'd probably just fall asleep. So for me, it was the audio all the way. Um, and wow, Brittany brought it in this book. If you don't want to know what happens in the book, then obviously don't listen to this. Um, I know there's been little clips here and there on social media and in articles and all over the place there, you know, so you've maybe already heard some things, um, but let me just tell you my takeaway and some of the key things that was either surprising or just like a good reminder, um, or interesting. I, first of all, I applaud her for doing the book. I think after everything she's been through to then come out with a tell all book um, is a little risky, you know, like people have kind of labeled her as like kooky or crazy or she's got issues, you know, what's going on with her relationship with her kids or her love life or, you know, her family and, you know, all the medication she was put on and the conservatorship and all these things. So I do think like it took a lot of guts for her to even do the book in the first place. So I really want to acknowledge that. And then she really didn't leave anything out for the most part. She starts the book with talking about her childhood, her upbringing. And that was interesting. Just I think you can learn a lot about someone just from their upbringing, their childhood, where they come from. Um how they were raised and what the values were and their experience from a little child through high school and like all the things. 
And then she goes on to talk about, um, and you know, she didn't have like the best childhood. They didn't have a lot of money. Her father was an alcoholic. Their parent, her parents didn't have a great marriage because of that. You know, um, he scared her all the time because of his drinking. You can definitely see that it was a rough upbringing period. Um, there's a lot that she went into with like grandparents and like other things also, And then she started her career young. I mean, we all know that she did the, you know, what is it? The Disney Clubhouse, Mickey House, I don't even know what it's called. Um, That Disney stuff where it was like her and Justin and um, like Christina Aguilera and all these people, that's how they got their start back then. And they were young. And she talks about how she was just working and doing school and that's all she did and she was away from family and just at such a young age you know just in it and you sometimes forget how young she was when she started because we know her as Britney the VMA queen and she was young you know she was 18 19 you know early 20s for sure But when we really think about her start, like she was a baby and she should have been enjoying being a kid. And instead she was singing and dancing and having a tight schedule and school was not the priority, but she had to also do school. That's a lot of pressure, you know? I mean, I just think about if you had to do that while you were in college, a lot of us did work in college or had internships. And it's hard to balance it. And then imagine doing that younger at 14, at 15 or whatever. It's a lot. But that's where she met a lot of these people, including Justin Timberlake. And she does talk about their relationship in pretty great detail. One thing I didn't know, I mean, I had already heard on social media that she was pregnant with his baby and that he really wanted her to get the abortion and kind of convinced her of it. And she wanted to do anything to keep him happy. So she agreed. What was shocking was that they didn't get a doctor involved, that she just took some pills, did it at home alone with him and um, kind of like her assistant. And no one else knew. There was no doctor, nurse, no, no one that could be there in case it didn't go well. She was in excruciating pain for hours. She wanted to be seen by a doctor. She was begging for help and she just had to like suffer through it. That was shocking to me. I just feel like how unsafe and I understand you don't want the media to know, but why not bring a doctor in, have them sign an NDA and just be there? Like it was that part to me was cruel and seemed really stupid. Um, but the other thing I didn't know was that her and Justin used to live together. And I know that they dated for a long time and they were definitely like the it couple for years, but I never knew that they were serious enough that they were, they had a house together. That just seems crazy to me. They were young, but they also had a place together. They obviously were serious enough that they were taking that, that step. Um, She does talk about how Justin cheated on her. She would hear stories of him with random celebrities or groupies or women. 
and he was partying and kind of doing his thing. And she just would never bring it up. She would turn a blind eye. She just was so in love with him that she almost like didn't care. And she did admit to cheating on him one time, making out with one of her dancers. He actually was the person that put together a lot of her tours and a lot of the moves. And um, I forget his name, something Wayne, David Wayne. I don't remember. (coughs) Not important. Um, But I thought it was crazy that she kissed this guy and he was out cheating on her doing God knows what, right? And yet he, after they broke up, painted this picture that she cheated on him and how hurt he was. And she just kind of took it. And she says in the book that she just loved him so much and was so heartbroken. And he broke up with her via text message. And then he was instantly like partying and like doing his thing. And she was just broken and wasn't dating, wasn't partying, wasn't doing anything. She was just mending her broken heart and was shutting down from it. And then, of course, he came out with his solo album where he had the song where he basically had a lookalike of her talking about how, you know, he got cheated on and how hurt he was. And she, again, had to just, like, take it and do all these interviews where people were like, poor Justin, how could you? And she never, like, stood up for herself and never called him out for what he had done. And I thought that was... I mean, that's definitely going to be the part that I would think Justin is going to be most upset about. And the abortion, um, she gives a lot of details, but she definitely reiterates over and over again just how in love she was with him and how she just thought he was her forever. Of course, they were young and they were both becoming like the biggest stars at the same time and arguably if you really look back she was a much bigger star than he was because he was a part of NSYNC and she was Britney Spears like killing it at the VMAs and having hit after hit after hit um you know one iconic you know music video after another awards everything and so not that he wasn't but it's It's interesting when you really remember that time that was before he was a solo artist and before he was like the Justin Timberlake that we know even still to this day. So I thought that was interesting. She also just talks about some of the people she dated. Um, Nothing too exciting. Um, She does lay it out very clear that like, yeah, she would drink and have fun. She wasn't a big drug person. Like she, she said she described the first time that she smoked pot and that she didn't like the feeling of it. She did say her drug of choice was Adderall and it just made her feel good. And obviously that's a prescription drug for ADHD. So some doctor gave it to her and that's what her drug of choice was. And I thought that was also really interesting because when she goes into her conservatorship, they pump her with a bunch of drugs, prescription drugs, and she doesn't want to take any of them. 
And it's interesting that her only drug of choice was also a prescription drug. And, um, you know, she does say that they really tried to paint her as crazy. Um, before the conservatorship, obviously, she got together with Kevin Federline. She talks about how Kevin makes her feel safe and comfortable. And it was, you know, he was her backup dancer and that's how they met and they were on tour together. She didn't know at first that he had a girlfriend and a baby and a baby on the way. That obviously should have been a massive red flag for her, but she didn't know when she started falling for him. And then that was kind of it. She felt like when they got married, that was her forever she was very dedicated to being a wife and a mother. And then her kids came. She did talk about how Kevin loved the fame, which I think we all know. And he was trying to make his own career, rapping and singing and dancing. And he was all over the place partying and hooking up with random people. And she was literally just pregnant, having babies back to back and with the babies alone. And she talked about how she would try to go to the studio to see him and the bodyguards wouldn't let her and they said, he doesn't want to see you. Um, she would call and text and get no responses. And she eventually was told that she should just file for divorce and it's over. And she did. And she talks in pretty great detail about how there were mistakes made where, you know, because she filed for divorce first, that the media painted it like she wanted the divorce and he was a devoted, you know, husband and dad and how great Kevin is and how horrible Brittany is and just things like that. Um, and then obviously we all know about her break where she shaved her head and took a umbrella to paparazzi's car and lost her mind. And she talks about how she was losing it because Kevin had took the boys at this point and wouldn't let her see the boys. And she was, going crazy as a mom, not being able to see her kids. She also felt like everything was kind of boiling with the fame and everyone expecting her to like look a certain way and be perfect. And her shaving her head was being like, I'm going to just be ugly. Like you want long, blonde, beautiful hair. I'm just going to be bald. And when she describes it in the book, you really do feel like, wow, that makes actually a lot of sense. And even though she was having like a nervous breakdown and she does talk about how she suffered from postpartum depression, which I think is really apparent when you look back, but no one caught it. She didn't know what it was. No, no one helped her. She talks a lot about being alone, how her family just didn't care that Brittany was paying for all the bills and supporting them financially. And that's all that mattered to them. And honestly, I, I believe her in almost everything because there are points in the book where she says like, I did this and this was so stupid of me, or I did this and this was so naive of me. So she takes accountability for a lot of things that she does admit that she did wrong. She also does a lot of swearing in the book, dropping the F-bomb and stuff. And I just feel like it was really her talking. It was really her just being comfortable in her own skin to, to spill all the truth. And it, I think it does resonate that way. I don't think at any point she tried to paint herself as a victim or paint herself as a saint. She would say things like, I was young, I was trying to have fun, or I was young. 
and I was suffering and I was alone and I didn't have friends or family or anyone to back me up and I was in the media spotlight and I couldn't go anywhere without paparazzi swarming me. And, you know, it's it's interesting to just hear what was happening behind the scenes of all these iconic times that we all know. Um, and then she does go into the conservatorship, which was painful to hear. Um, they literally blindsided her one day. They collected her to come to the beach house and they had, um, medical staff there. They put her on a gurney. They tied her down. They acted like she was crazy and they took her, you know, to the hospital to be evaluated. And then they got the conservatorship put in place, which typically is supposed to be short term, like two weeks. Hers went on for 13 years, which, and she does say that her family did her wrong. And of course, they're the ones that instated it and they're the ones that kept it going. And they continuously were acting like she was crazy. They were draining money out of her and having her financially support them and do whatever they want financially because they had full control of her money. And then um, she also did point out the state of California, you know, did her wrong and that she should never have been in that position for that long. The conservatorship also meant that they were dictating what medication she would take. She was forced to take it. She didn't even know what she was taking a lot of the times. They, she couldn't drink. She um, couldn't drink alcohol. She was restricted on what she couldn't couldn't eat. She said she went years without eating a French fry. You know, she would beg to have dessert, and she would be told that she's too fat and that she needs to lose weight, so she wouldn't be allowed to eat dessert. Um, <clears throat> she she was like told to go to the gym and were put on these crazy schedules. She felt like the funny thing was that she would gain weight. She wouldn't even lose weight. And she said that it was just being put under this stress and trauma, you know, depression, being forced to do these things. It sucked kind of the life out of her where she didn't have passion to go to the gym or passion to dance or passion to sing or passion and all these things that normally she loved. She said that she had to sleep with her door open. There was surveillance on her all the time. She was never alone alone. There was either a camera or a bodyguard or someone, which is wild. <clears throat> she said that she had to take a bath with a bodyguard there. She said that she would get one hour of TV a night and had to go to sleep by 9 p.m. and put on these like crazy schedules and very strict, like, like jail. It was basically a glorified jail for her doing nothing. And she said that she was treated like a criminal, like she would beg the bodyguards or assistants or anyone to just help her or let her have a little bit of freedom, let her go do something or eat something or whatever. And they would just literally treat her like a crazy person or a criminal. It was heartbreaking. She then felt like when she rebelled, they would act even more like she was crazy and they would, you know, do things like medicate her or restrain her or add more doctors to her schedule or all these things. And then she felt like she had to be good so she could see her kids. So they basically would say, like, be a good girl and do what we say and you can have time with your boys. 
So she went into kind of like being perfect and doing everything that they said. And then she would get an extra hour with her kids or she would get, you know, um, vacation time with her kids or whatever. And it was like worth it to her because she was like, I would do anything to see my kids. I would do anything to have that time with them. And all she wanted was just to be with them as any mother would. Like, I just think about if someone took my kids away from me like that, I would, I mean, literally kill somebody. Like, are you kidding me? Like, no wonder she lost it. I would have lost it 1000%. But she kept saying that she felt like she had to be strong and she had to do what they said and be a good girl so that she could see her boys and not have it affect them. Um... She also agreed to do the Vegas thing, her residency, which, you know, she just felt like at least it got her out of the house. It got her into society. It get, you know, it got her working. It got her making money. You know, it kind of felt like normal. But then you would do the same show every single night for years. And she said in the book that she wanted to do something else. She wanted to switch up the show. She wanted to add new music. She wanted to change the routine. She wanted to do a remix. She wanted to do anything than the same routines. And they wouldn't allow it. She had to just do what she was told by her dad. And she had no say. And she just was like a robot, like a doll. She was just being used. And it was just really sad. I mean, you know, she did say that at one point, they would put her on heart, more hardcore medication that made her lethargic and just like completely out of it. She did talk about how she was made to go to rehab multiple times, even though she didn't have an addiction problem. They would just make her go. And then they would also isolate her because she is Britney Spears and she couldn't be like left with random people in rehab. And so she would just kind of go crazy in isolation and no phone, no connection to her boys. Like it would be like a month or it would be months and it would just be crazy. And just, you know, she was told that she has a lawyer and that was her lawyer. And she did say like she felt stupid for not pushing back and and asking to find her own lawyer and things like that, which, you know, Again, she was young and she's being told these things from her management or her family and she believed it. And she said that like the last straw was being told that she had to go back to rehab and in rehab, there was one nurse that brought her over and showed her on the computer screen, you know, what was happening in the news. And this was the free Britney movement. And then she felt like she was getting more strength from it. She was like, yeah, I do want to be free and I don't want to do this anymore. And my fans are worried about me, which by the way, the fans were right. When the fans were like, they took her somewhere, there's something wrong, what's happening. That's when they sent her back to rehab and she was locked away for months and she did get a good lawyer and was able to get out of her conservatorship, removing her family from her life completely. By the way, during her conservatorship, her mom wrote a tell-all book basically talking bad about Britney or sharing secrets about Britney. Then her sister wrote an alt-tell-all book and again, kind of slamming Britney for certain things. Was also talking about her own life with feeling like she had to live under the shadow of her big sister, which is understandable. 
But she's like, I'm here suffering and you are writing books, making money off of me. She also never understood why her parents were telling the courts that she's incapable, that she's crazy, that she's sick, but then also she could work. She was working crazy hours. She was doing talk shows. She was doing interviews. She was doing shows. She was winning awards. She was doing new albums. She was doing new music, yet they were picturing, they were painting this picture that she was crazy. So yeah, she made really good points. Um, she had some really sweet times to say about her boys. She didn't say anything negative about her current relationship with her boys. And she just loves her kids. And that was it. Um, she does talk about how now she's learning about herself and she's connecting with herself and she's kind of releasing the trauma of what she went through and it's going to be a process but that she is slowly starting to love music again and dance again and that she knows that everyone kind of wants her to do this like big comeback but she's just not there yet and i think that was the most healthy conclusion of the whole thing um what else anything she did talk a little bit of smack on christina aguilera and she just felt like betrayed by her and like they you know she could have had her back more and things like that which you know that's her truth who knows i'm a huge christina fan too um i don't think that they were like ever like super close to begin with you know so but she didn't like that you know i think also like christina and justin kind of had a boom in their careers around the same time that Britney was struggling with the breakup of Justin and all that. So they did go on tour together. Christina and Justin did. And that was when she had her like dirty song and all that. If you remember that time. So I think, yeah, it just felt like kind of a burn, you know? Um, she talked highly of Madonna. She talked highly of Elton John. She talked, um, highly of really a lot of people it, I thought it was going to be more of like talking crap about people and that was going to be a little like, like not great, but she didn't really do that. And honestly, she sounds really healthy. It sounded like this was like therapeutic. She does say that she let go of things with her family and she just feels so much better. Um, yeah, so good book. I highly recommend it, but that was like kind of the highlights of it. Um, and I really hope for her that she's able to release the trauma She's able to get help and just kind of detox her body of what she's been through and just be her again. You know, I think we're all rooting for her. Um, and then we kind of have to switch gears. We have to talk about Matthew Perry who passed away, which is so sad. I'm such a friends fan and such a fan of him and the whole cast. I mean, really his whole career has been amazing but obviously well-known for friends. I just think it's so wild that he played two hours of pickleball and then that's it. He was dead after that, that same day. That just, and I know there's a lot of talk of like, was it the COVID shot because he was so pro the vaccine or 
you know, um, was he doing drugs and alcohol abuse again? Because he definitely obviously had a problem with that in the past. He wrote a book on that. He's talked about it in numerous interviews. He's been very open with his struggles. And then, um, there's also like a bunch of like cryptic messages, like putting like three cranberries in a picture and posting it saying, this is all I've ate today. A lot of Batman talk, just really weird messages. And then they obviously found him dead in the hot tub at his house there. We don't know like the full story and I don't know if we ever will, but regardless of like what it was, I still think it's crazy that someone could be healthy enough to play two hours of pickleball or like be like working out or on a run. And then that same day they're gone. It just, you know, I think a lot of times when we think of death, we think of like a tragic accident where someone is instantly gone in a car accident or something, or we think about an illness like a cancer or something that is more slow and it, makes us sick and there's a reason for the death. So there's, I mean, there's obviously still a reason for his death, but it's just wild to see him being active and what also seemed pretty happy and then dead. I will say he didn't look like he was in the best shape of his life or in the best place of his life. Um, but 54 and dead is young, very young and just so sad So yeah, I just, I just think it's another reminder that like life is short and we really do have to take care of our bodies and our minds and just our life and just make ourselves the priority in whatever that looks like. And that's why we do touch on health so much on this podcast, because I do believe that success in life really doesn't mean anything if you don't have your health first and you can't even fully enjoy your life if you don't have your health in place. And it's like a hard truth for people because we all go through things. I mean, I still have a cough and I'm going to the doctor tomorrow finally after almost two months because it's just, it's getting better, but it's not gone. And, you know, are like bodies are fragile. Every organ is fragile and anything can kind of disrupt that. And it could be an illness or it could be the foods that we're eating that's poisoning us. It could be the water that we're drinking. It could be the air that we're breathing. It could be our day-to-day life where we're sitting too much or we're just not giving our bodies what it needs, like fresh air and sunlight and whatever, right? Like fill in the blank. It's just, there's so many pieces to it, but it's just so important. So yeah, I think his death was sad and shocking. Even with all of his struggles, it's still shocking. He's young and he seemed to be in a much better place than he was in the past. And just you know, it seemed like he was trying. I mean, no one plays two hours of pickleball if they're not trying, you know, (laughs) like that's, that's a lot, you know, he, he seemed to be on a good path and it's just, it's so sad. And we're, you know, watching friends will never be the same. And I also just feel like 
oh, there's never going to be a reboot of Friends. Not that there ever was going to be one, but it's just never going to be the same for that group. And I'm sure his castmates and friends, Jennifer Aniston and everyone are just so heartbroken. Um, I heard Lisa Kudrow is going to be adopting his dog and you know, there was images of them at his funeral, which ugh, I, I like, it wasn't right that they got those images, you know, like it's, it's a private moment, but it also was a little like calming and nice to just see all of them there. And, you know, just that everyone still cares and everyone's still close and everyone wanted to be there to lay him to rest. It, you know, I think for the fans, it does feel like a sense of comfort, even though I do think that is probably inappropriate for paparazzi to do that on many levels. Um, but, you know, I think between Britney's book and his passing, you know, that's like our generation, you know, and it just, it really does show how fragile life is. You know, she's piecing together the trauma that she went through and trying to pick up her life and, and be happy again. And he's gone at a young age and it just kind of, you know, reminds us how fragile life is, how short life is, how important it is to just let go of petty stuff and just be in the moment and focus on the important stuff and just end the year strong. You know, I feel like this calendar year for a lot of people has been tough. I was talking to one of my friends and she was talking, you know, she was saying like her mom broke her foot and then she broke her foot. And it's just been one of those years where it's like one thing after another. And I, I feel that kind of energy from everybody but hopefully Brittany's book and Matthew Perry's death, it can just be like such a reminder of how blessed we all are and how life is beautiful and we just have to like seize the day. So I hope that this, okay, we went from like pop culture, let's give you the juice to like, let's motivate ourselves, and pick up, pick ourselves up for the rest of the year, which is so Lime podcast of us. So yeah, let's do it. We've got less than two months left in the year and I just really want all of us to end so strong and enter the new year really feeling like we can exhale 